Hello everyone. I want you to imagine this scene. One day last week, Andy and I were sitting in our back room looking out at the garden, watching the birds flying about the trees, having our mid-morning drink. Hot chocolate on that occasion. When I asked him, Andy, what do you think of when I use the word culture? His reply floored me. Something growing in a Petri dish. Really? Well, yes, he said. But I suppose music and the arts too. But his first answer had stuck with me. And so I'd like to unpack this idea a little more in terms of the Holy Spirit and his culture. Bear with me. I realise it seems a bit odd, but let's look a little more closely at our Bible passage and Petri dishes and how they might be linked. I'm pretty sure that most of us will have heard this passage before or at least know of its existence. Often referred to as the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit is something we think about every year at this festival of Pentecost, a most profound and wild experience, perhaps, for all those involved on that day. Images of flames, sounds of violent wind and foreign languages praising God all form the incredible picture painted for us in those first four verses of Acts. If you remember, Jesus had told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Luke 24 verse 49. And they did. They waited and waited. Remember, of course, that at least some had gone back to Galilee after the resurrection. They had met Jesus there as he had told them to. But the next big feast that would draw them back to Jerusalem would be the Feast of Pentecost. So they'd travel there for the celebrations and carry on waiting as he had told them to. I guess sometimes they went out shopping, sometimes they went to the temple to pray, but they waited. I'm not sure that I would have been so patient. Or would I, if I was waiting for some amazing gift that Jesus had promised? Perhaps I would. What about you? The Feast of Pentecost was and is an important festival for the Jews, and many would travel to Jerusalem to be at the temple for it in biblical times. Shavuot, its Jewish name, was one of three agricultural festivals. The others are Passover and Sukkot. There's no set date for this two-day festival, but it takes place seven weeks, 50 days, after the first day of the spring festival of Passover. It marks the start of the wheat harvest and the end of the barley harvest. And for Jews, it also marks the time that they were first given the Torah on Mount Sinai. Prayers are said especially at dawn to thank God for those five books of Moses, collectively known as the Torah, and for the law. Some spend the first night of the festival studying it, and synagogues are decorated with flowers and plants on this joyous occasion to remember the flowers of Mount Sinai. Sounds familiar for a harvest festival, doesn't it? But back to that waiting. I wonder if the disciples had any idea what it was that they were to receive, that the Father had promised. What does power from on high mean? I've just had a birthday and I knew I would receive some gifts from those who love me, but I didn't know what they were going to be. I was pretty sure I'd like them, but I had to wait to receive them to find out. And I guess it was a bit like that. Although, of course, the disciples had had some clues as to what they might receive if they did but realise it. They had been prepared by Jesus and others, but perhaps they were not good at jigsaws, piecing things together. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, John the Baptist explains what he knows. I baptise you with water, 
but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke chapter three sixteen. And Jesus himself told them to pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit with the assurance that their prayers would be answered. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke 11, verses 11 to 13. They are waiting. They are all together, gathered in one house, when suddenly there is this sound of strong wind. There are flames of fire, but they're not burning anyone on whom they rest. And there are voices, their voices, but words that are unfamiliar, words that seem so powerful, but what do they mean? The waiting is over. The Spirit is here. The gift God promised has arrived, and oh, he so does not disappoint. And the noise gets louder, and a crowd comes running. What is going on? What's going on is that the Holy Spirit is bringing his culture to bear on the believers, then and now and all in between. What do I mean? Culture is a huge topic. We can mean the things cultured people do, the arts and music perhaps, We can mean fads, trends and fashions as a self-proclaimed culture by groups who try to focus everyone else's attention at, say, a celebrity or the latest technology. We can also mean culture in the sense of collective practices, beliefs and stories perhaps based around a particular ethnic identity. But I suspect that culture is actually all of these things, but far more, even more than the stuff growing and developing in Andy's Petri dish. Think back to when the Holy Spirit is first mentioned in Scripture. What do we read? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2. He was present, a part of the creative process that brought into beings, human beings and everything else. And God's final word on the sixth day was that it was all very good. For the Holy Spirit, it seems that culture making is to create something that is very good. Even before the fall, Adam and Eve are making something of the world in which they find themselves. Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Genesis 1 verse 28. They had already assumed the creative, culture-making role that the Holy Spirit shares. Of course, when the Spirit worked with God, they were creating from nothing. That's not true for us. We always create from something. Except that, of course, every act of creation brings into being something that wasn't there before. Think of a toddler's first finger painting. It's far more than the paper and paint, isn't it? Therefore, culture is really what we humans make of the world. Finger paintings or the Sistine Chapel, to quote Andy Crouch, author of Culture Making, which I recently read in a Zoom book group with people from all over the world. He says, culture always bears the stamp of our creativity, 
our God-given desire to make something more than we were given. If this is true of us, then how much more for the Holy Spirit? He wants to make something more with all that he has given. On that particular Pentecost, that one after the amazing resurrection and ascension, the Holy Spirit comes to make something so much more of that ragtag group of Galileans and hangers-on waiting in Jerusalem. Within the blink of an eye, he has made a group of believers praise in ways they never had before, stand out in a crowd, and one into a scripture-quoting orator that would normally not say boo to a goose in Jerusalem. Well, maybe I exaggerate, but you know what I mean. As the Holy Spirit fills them all, they are recreated, ready for the future, but even more for the here and now. They were going to live in a very different way from that moment. They were going to be those who shared everything with anyone who had need, those who worshipped and ate together, and perhaps most importantly, they were going to be those who would share their story with everyone, because that is the nature of the Holy Spirit's culture. Just like the culture in Andy's Petri dish that grows and develops over time, so the number of believers grew, because that is the culture of the Holy Spirit. And it still is. Down the centuries in the church, still groups of believers, different approaches have been taken to this. Some have remained, some have been discarded, but the underlying culture of spirit-filled Christians is the same, to take care of others, to worship God and him alone, and to tell the story of life with God. Is this the culture of the Good Shepherd Church? Are we asking the Holy Spirit to fill us again and again that we may, with him, create that culture, following this deep calling as individuals and together? I wonder what those outside the church would say as they might look in, so to speak. In these days, there is so much being said about the changing social culture of our day, with differing ideas about identity and human flourishing, views on marriage, employment, education and faith, it can seem very difficult to hold firmly to our faith and the culture that the Holy Spirit is making. I believe that if we can be like Peter as he stood up for the believers that day, by standing firm on our faith and the word of scripture, then we will be following our call to be those who make culture. And it doesn't have to be big. Just a few Galileans that first day, and let's face it, 120 in a city of thousands isn't many either. But it was just the start with God's love poured out, it was like that mustard seed, tiny and vulnerable, that grows into a tree birds can nest in. Remember our recent diocesan logo? As we move into this new phase of our life together, carefully coming out of the lockdowns of recent times, what will our culture be like? How is the Holy Spirit making us now? And are we going to let him shape us and form us? And as we join in with the diocesan shaped by God together conversations about mission and ministry in the future, our culture will be important. It is unique and it will be made by the love of the God whom we worship. I believe that this is our calling together for cultivating the future for those who will come after us. We need to be disciplined, forgiven believers, dependent on the gift of the creative Holy Spirit, those who pray those who share with others in need, those who share the story of God at his work, creating a culture of grace through the work of Jesus for us all. 
Will you join me in this new Petri dish of growth and development as we discover the culture of the Holy Spirit for us, the Good Shepherd Church, now? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you come to us, that you encourage us and guide us, and that you are creative with us. Help us to be those who follow the culture you create and to reach out to those in need, to be those who are disciplined and forgiven, and to be those who share our story, the story of our life with God, so that others may know his story in their lives too. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.